So thank you for coming to listen to, that's not the right way to start it, is it? Hang on, I'll start, I'll start, I'll start that again. So relatable. <laughs> Hello there, welcome back to Marketed Not Live, the podcast that, let's face it, is adding value to you as someone with an interest in marketing, but is also hoping that you'll buy a ticket to the main event, Marketed Live, which this year is in Leicester, on Thursday the 7th of September 2023. This is our seventh event and the fifth season of the podcast. This year, the theme for Marketed Live is Challenge Everything. And so on this season's episodes, our guests will be asked to challenge an accepted assumption. So look, I know how it is. Less of me, more of the value. Let's just get stuck in. Welcome to Marketed Not Live, the podcast about the event. We're here today with the wonderful Liz Mosley, and I'm so looking forward to this conversation because it's been great to get to know Liz through various different things, which we may come on to, um, but I'm going to start off just by going straight in and asking Liz, please introduce yourself. Yeah, hey, thanks for having me, Paul. Uh, my name is Liz Mosley, and I am a branding designer for small businesses. That's the sort of main thing that I do. But then I kind of do a bunch of other spin-off things, but all kind of linked to branding and marketing. So um, I also run some courses for small business owners who maybe don't have the budget to outsource their branding. Um, I feel very passionately about sort of helping businesses at different points in their journey. So obviously, yeah, not everybody's got a bunch of money to spend on outsourcing their branding. Um, and then I also host a podcast called Building Your Brand, which has lots of great content about branding and marketing. And yeah, that's sort of my free content that anyone can consume. And there's lots of like tips that they can implement to help improve their business. And then I also do some work with Adobe Live uh, promoting not Adobe Live, just Adobe in general, to be honest, uh, promoting Adobe Express. So that is like another great tool for small business owners who are looking for ways to improve their branding, be more consistent online. So yeah, it all feeds together um, in this nice sort of branding melting pot, but there's sort of lots of different different aspects to what I do. Lovely. Um, can I just ask, this is an unprompted question, but uh, how did you get into doing what you do now? I'm always quite fascinated with how people got to where they are. Yeah, great question. I'll try not to give you like my potted life history. (laughs) First I was born. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I went to university to study graphic design. And so I basically, I'm kind of one of the few people that I know, or definitely in my sort of circle of friends who is still doing kind of what they studied, but it's kind of taken different forms throughout, throughout the years. So I started off working at an agency in London I was it was hilarious because when I left university I was adamant that I didn't want to work for myself like loads of other people had that as an aspiration it was never never my goal never something I was working towards um so yeah I worked in an agency worked in a house for a long time in London and then started to kind of get an itch to do my own thing um I think just because when I I actually loved working in house but obviously you're kind of working with one brand in that instance. And so I, I was just sort of a bit, yeah, I was looking for some sort of other creative um, avenues to pursue, started doing my own thing. And then over time, um, got a taste for that and then thought, oh, I do actually really like working for myself and then had kids and basically 
when I had kids, decided to go solo. And so I've been working for myself, uh, doing branding sort of ever since. Because, you know, you don't have enough challenges when you have kids. So why not start a business as well? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, true. I mean, thankfully, it didn't feel like I was starting something from scratch because I had kind of like started to dabble in it before the kids came along. (laughs) So it actually it it did work out quite nicely um, because it just felt like I could ramp things up and scale them back as needed. Um, So it was very it was definitely like a slow start. And I feel like it's only been in the last kind of like three or four years uh, since I've kind of like finished maternity leaves and stuff that I've been able to really focus on this sort of like one niche area Uh and really go for it with that which has been really good excellent I love it I love it I love hearing people's histories they're all so different and just like the amount of people that kind of go well I sort of stumbled into it really (laughs) I didn't want to be a business owner quite incredible (laughs) um really but it's but it's great to see that there's that continuity of the graphic design element from from going Mm. to university here and I think you know if anyone's interested please go and look at Lizzie's content and just see some of the work that she actually does on graphics I'm kind of obsessed with your 52 patterns um thing that you're doing on on Instagram tell us a little bit about that yeah so I um took part in another illustrator online called Melanie Johnson she did a she does the she does sort of more ad hoc like pattern challenges where she does one Um, in the summer or one in the spring and uh, me and a friend of mine did those a couple of times and then we kind of approached her and was like would you mind if we did our own ongoing one and we wanted to create something that we could just keep rolling but was a bit more manageable so like rather than doing a prompt a day a pattern a day we were doing one a week and so we came up with all the prompts um yeah and it's just been really nice because loads of people have actually got involved and taken part and it's just really fun seeing everyone's interpretation of the same prompt and it was very much a um, a creative challenge that was nothing to do with like client work or my you know jobs that I was working on I think often when you do a job that is creative um, it can be really hard to make the space to be creative just for the fun of it and so that this is very much that for me and obviously it's not it's not 100% pure because I'm sharing it on social media it helps my engagement it you know I do create patterns for clients so it's good practice but yeah it's really fun I really enjoy the community aspect of it fantastic go and go and check it out folks now uh, if you weren't aware and where have you been because we have released the full agenda to Marketed Live 2023, you will have known that this mostly is one of our speakers at this year's event in Leicester in September. Oh, yes. I'm so thrilled to have you on board. I'm very much looking forward to hearing uh, from you, Liz. And thank you for agreeing to to come and speak to our fantastic attendees. Um, It's all about challenging assumptions this year. We're calling it Challenge Everything. And we're really trying to get people to think, I don't want to say outside the box, because that's like the biggest cliche from corporate land ever, right? (laughs) I mean, like, I'm not in the box, okay, whatever. (laughs) Um, But in this season of Marketed Not Live, we're going to ask everybody to bring us an assumption so that we can just challenge it and take it to pieces. So... What is an assumption that you would like to challenge today? Well, one of the assumptions that I think is pretty prevalent in the business world and with branding is that you need to have your branding 
done before you launch a business or maybe that that's the way that's the strongest way to start your business um and I yeah I do quite enjoy challenging that, that assumption um because I think often that doesn't work out how people expect so um can you expand a little bit more on that in terms of sort of from what you see the process of say somebody deciding to start their own business and they want to launch I guess what you're saying is you don't have to be ready with like a, a logo and a branding guidelines and a website and all that yeah. kind of stuff exactly yeah so I think a lot of people and I think this happens to us all at different points in our businesses but I think a lot of people feel like they have to have certain ducks in a row before they can start something. And I think branding is often one of those. So they feel like, well, until my business looks a certain way, I can't start. And I think that hinders a lot of people from just getting started in the first place. But also to have branding that works effectively for your business, you have to be so clear on what your business is about and what you're trying to to achieve and I think some people they start a business and they are really clear you know they've got like a particular product a particular uh, problem that they're solving you know like they're very sort of specific about what it is that they want to do but for a lot of people they their business doesn't always end up looking like what it was when they started um but I, you know I feel like this has become such the buzzword and it's like just almost a cliche now but you know we taught a lot in recent years about pivoting and I think often small businesses in particular you know they need to be really flexible adaptable they need to pivot you know like people start businesses thinking that they're going to solve a particular problem and then realize actually that's not the problem that people need solved it's something else and so they sort of tweak their business they refine their offers but if you've created branding that is very narrow or is you know the look of it is very much about a particular thing um, it's not necessarily going to pivot well with you. And then that's where you get into an instance where people are sort of having to change their branding all the time and that erodes sort of the trust that they've built up with their audience. And so actually, and this, you know, there's never going to be a one size fits all for businesses, right? And that's another thing that I feel really passionately about. But often just getting started in quite a scrappy way with maybe something very simple that you've created yourself just so that you can start collecting information about your business you know like what is it that people actually need is this the way that I want to solve that problem do I actually enjoy this you know all of these kind of different bits of information that are then going to put you in a much stronger place to invest in your branding maybe a year or two down the line so yeah that's kind of my that's my take on it uh so I'm I'm laughing because when people are listening to this, they probably won't hear the rain. <laughs> is it raining where you are? It is, isn't it? No, it's not. No? I mean, unusually oh. for Wales. And usually for Wales, it's gloriously sunny. <laughs> I could have sworn. Okay, so I've got questions for you, Liz, based on yeah, that. Go. because um, and, and I share that experience, really. Because I think, so when when I first started my business about, about eight years ago, um, I started it with somebody else and we gave the company a name and I didn't choose it right um and we had a logo made and that that kind of suddenly felt like such a such a big deal 
But the business that I have now is literally completely different to how it started. And so we did have at one point have to change the name of the, the business to, to more reflect what it what it did. Um, and I had to do that very, very quickly. And so the, lo- <laughs> the logo, not the Marketed Live um, logo, but the, like my media stuff, the logo is something I came up with in about five minutes because I just needed something. And it's still, it's still what we use. I mean, we, we've kind of sharpened it a little bit, but it's still, it's yeah. still what we use. And um, I often think, you know, should we change it? Should we change it? Um, but now I'm worried to change it because it's sort of got a little bit of recognition, only small. Um, and I'm, I think that it's, it's tempting to, to keep changing things. And it's interesting what you said about um, pivoting, because I know people that do seem to change their branding every five minutes. And I don't understand why. I mean, I understand why in the sense that I am like a bit of a visual magpie in that I just love all different styles of, of, um, design, I guess. And so I think if you are led by that about your, by your personal taste, um, which can change a lot. Either you're the sort of person that has like a really clear aesthetic and it never changes and then good for you, your branding. If you're basing your branding on your personal taste, then it's going to stay pretty consistent. Or you're like me where you're like, oh, this week I really like this style. And that's going to make you want to change all the time. And, you know, trends are always changing. There's new stuff coming out and you, you're like, oh, actually that's interesting. <laughs> and I think that's where people get, get sort of a bit lost and they start changing things all the time and I think the mistake is is when your branding isn't coming out of like the core foundations of your business so like branding ultimately is a tool to help you achieve your goals and so if you're not clear on what your goals are in your business then it's very hard to know whether your branding is serving you whether it's working whether it's helping you achieve those goals um if you don't know what your sort of values are as a business or you know what your kind of like core non-negotiable you know this is really important to me in business you know what those aspects are um, you know, again, that can make it really difficult. And so I think that's where it gets, that's, that is kind of why I like to challenge this because I think until you are clear on those things, it is hard to create branding that's going to serve you effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also going to allow for sort of like the growth and the change as like your business develops. And so, yeah, I, I do, I understand the temptation to change it a lot but it is it is really damaging for your business as in and that's not to say that there isn't a right time to rebrand sometimes rebranding is absolutely going to be the right route to go down but if your branding is working for you if it's appealing to your target audience and it's communicating effectively what you do um then you shouldn't need to change it really regularly and you know if it you do change it regularly every time you change it Although, as I, you know, I did say, like, you, it is totally valid and right to rebrand sometimes. If you do it too often, people are going to get so confused because we we really um, sort of connect with businesses through the visual look of them. You know, like if you think color, for example, is the first or like the first or second thing that we notice when we look at something. I mean, if you think of like babies, it starts off with shapes, then it's color. You know, like we really latch onto color like in seconds very quickly. And so if um, the sort of 
colors that you're using are changing all the time or the fonts that you're using are changing all the time people just aren't going to recognize your business and they're not going to connect with it um because it's unfamiliar to them and so yeah it does erode that trust um in your business so it's one of those things that you kind of have to think carefully about and actually um you know having a simple logo it like it doesn't have to be sort of like award winning or you know it doesn't have to be clever if you've got something simple that is striking and then people look at it and think oh yeah i know i know which bus- i know what business this is i know what they're saying to me like actually that's really powerful so would you say just thinking about this idea that you don't have to be logo ready before you launch your business so let's say that someone's sourcing their business out they probably need some kind of visual identity but what you're saying is that can be relatively straightforward and simple it doesn't have to you know you don't have to spend thousands of pounds on some kind of branding exercise to understand your values for for that you you want something that that gets you out there but in due course as your business grows and evolves then it makes sense to perhaps review that at 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 that point I'm, i'm a right in sort of paraphrasing what we said exactly yeah so I think that's it is that you can start with something simple and it might be as like you need to have a logo and you, you I mean you need to have branding to start a business I would say but it doesn't have to be um complicated so it could be that you find a simple font that you know sort of reflects the personality of your business well and it's literally just your business name written in that font and then you know you pick a color palette you you know you can do some sort of basic research into color psychology if you want to but you pick a color palette that again ultimately you want your branding to be an accurate representation of what people can expect when they work with you or when they sort of receive your services or your products. So if you, um, you know, if your business is very quirky and irreverent, but your branding is all beige, like that's probably not going to be a right fit. I mean, that's a very basic example. Okay. So you want it to reflect what your business is like, but it can be something simple just to get you started. And then, you know, down the line when you are clearer on what your business is all about um when you you've got that sort of date you've collected a lot of data about your audience about what you like doing how you want to serve people then is the time i think where it is worth investing in branding and ultimately as a as a branding designer i do think it's something that is worth investing in i just don't always think investing in it before you started is the right way yeah. to go Love it. Um, can I just ask you then on that basis, as someone who is, you'd class yourself as a small business, wouldn't you? Um, yeah. Probably a micro business. Micro, nano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, you know, like when in the news you hear, oh, uh, Burger King rebranded and they went back to retro or Pepsi rebranded and they went from sort of slanty back to sort of, straight and all this kind of of, what what do you make of stuff like that when a brand sort of evolves in a way you look do you you have what I mean is you ever like look at it and go wow I can't believe that they paid that much money for that rebrand yeah it's a tricky one I always feel really reluctant to 
I get like there's a lot of people online who get a real kick out of sort of criticizing big company rebrands and I think there's like a place to be critical and stuff but often we're just seeing the very finished article and we're not kind of seeing the back and forth between the client and designer Mm -hmm. and like I know as a designer that there is so much more that goes into the project before you get the sort of finished article I think it's interesting with those huge companies because often I wouldn't even call it like necessarily a a brand, a rebrand. I think it's often more of a brand refresh because there, there will be certain visual elements that will stay the same and will stay consistent. So like Coca-Cola might refine and tweak um, you know, the swooshes of the seas or how the type, you know, their logo is written yeah. out, but their red is going to stay that, that is going to stay the same red forever, you know, because it's, that's like Coca-Cola red now, you know, like there's right, bra- yeah. brands at that level, you know, like if you think of Tiffany's, like Tiffany's, like uh, aqua or whatever yeah, you want, yeah, turquoise, yeah. I don't yeah. know what you, you can, want, what you can you visualize it straight you know away, it. can't yeah, you? You know it. You picture yeah. it straight away and it's like iconic to that brand. Same with Burger King, really. I mean, like Burger King did more of a sort of, it was more of an update, but there was definitely a feel about it that was that was still very Burger King, you know, like it didn't feel like it'd gone way off in some other direction. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another thing that can be really helpful um, to factor in, you know, like, how do you want people to feel when they see your branding, when they interact with your brand? And I think those big companies do a, a good, well, often do a good job of keeping those things consistent, but they just refresh the branding so that it's like new, it works better for them. I mean, a lot, if you think about how much has changed just from like a technology aspect of like where we need to be able to present our brands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like our brands need to be um, sort of more adaptable than ever before because you need a logo that's going to work on a billboard, but it's also going to be a good profile picture on Instagram. You know, it's yeah. just yeah. The, the scope of where your brand needs to work is bigger than it's ever been. And so often, you know, these brand refreshes are really important because the brand that they had just w- couldn't adapt to those sort of like different spaces that it needed to work in. And so, yeah, it makes sense. I don't know if that answers your question. No, it does perfectly because, uh, you know, it, I was exactly thinking, how do how do we adapt to those additional placements of where things need to be? So you've answered that, that, that question there. I'm just wondering then, if, is there... Is there any lessons that, or are there any lessons, if I use the correct grammar, are there any lessons from that particular aspect that we've just discussed, where if a small business, maybe someone who's typically in the market live audience, um, is thinking that they want to refresh their their brand, are there any sort of key rules or recommendations that you would make, like sticking to the same colour or having a power colour or, or just adapting it? Is there anything that we can learn from that? Yeah, I think so. You know, like I think sometimes people start to feel a bit, um, their branding feels stale to them or they feel like they need to update things. And I think actually there's a lot of little little updates that you can make that will um, just, yeah, sort of finesse the branding without having to start from scratch. And I think that can be a a really helpful route to go down. Um, You know, it could be that you've got a certain colour palette, but it's a case of adding 
a couple of extra colors to give you a bit more flexibility or it could be that you commission an illustrator um, to create a sort of suite of illustrations that add uh, you know some more personality to your mm. branding but actually you know like the font the colors and the type are staying the same so it's not it's not sort of changing everything but it's adding a new dimension that you didn't have before um so i think those are some examples of you know even photography like actually i think photography is often a really underutilized um sort of aspect of branding for small businesses because you can really get across personality in how you style your photographs you know how they're edited um all that kind of thing so you can actually sort of really impact the look of a brand through the photography um, so those are kind of all things that you can play around with without having to sort of like completely start from scratch. But sometimes it will be right to completely start from scratch. And and that is that is OK, but it's just going into it. It's, I guess it's having the self-awareness um, as a business, you know, like, am I doing this because I need to do this at this point? because it makes sense to like achieve the business goals or am I doing this on a whim because I've seen a trend that I like I think that's it. it's just questioning why you're doing it and if you do do a full rebrand there's certain things that you can do um, to help that go smoothly and to sort of minimize the breakdown in recognition and trust that you will experience and a lot a lot of that is just effective communication it's like taking your audience along with you on the journey it's like teasing it it's giving them you know taking them along the process so that they it's not just like your business changes over the night and now they've got no idea who you are and who you're talking to so I think yeah I mean it's going to be different for every business but there's lots of things that you can do um, depending on what your situation is to to make it work well for you what do you make of this idea then that you've just touched on about you know having branded fonts or, or maybe having custom fonts because there's a lot of I mean the big brands all do that don't they so they don't have to pay licenses I guess you've got BBC's wreath and uh, I know there's Tui type and all this kind of kind of stuff is is that just for big brands do you think or is the technology available now for any size business to create their own typeface um I don't think you need that, to be honest. Um, I think for a big uh, like organization, a big company, the thing that is going to be really difficult for them in particular is consistency because um, if you think you've got like a company that's got 25,000 people in it and you've probably got hundreds of people that have got access to the, you know, the brand elements and they're kind of all doing their own thing if you can like turn to them and you can be like this is our font this is the only one we use it's like specifically been made for our business almost like they don't have access to any other fonts then that mm -hmm. is going to make the consistency piece easier for them like for for smaller businesses that's not going to be as big an issue and people aren't going to notice that as much i think um i personally just don't think that is probably the best use of your money from a sort of like design and marketing sense like I think there's other ways that you can make your branding stand out um you know it might be that you have custom typography created for your logo um because obviously you know when I the advice I gave earlier on about pick a really good font and write your business name in it that is 
that is fine to get that you started. But the risk is, is that somebody else could do the exact same thing for their business. And then they've got a logo that looks very similar to yours. So, you know, a better investment would be to invest in sort of like some custom typography for your logo. I don't think you need to do that for your sort of like whole typographic squeak, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think it's just, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's thinking about where to invest your money that's going to give you sort of like the best return, right? So where, what's going to stand out the most, what's going to, you know, we want our brands to be distinct and to stand out from others um and so as we get to the point where we are investing money in it um i think that's it it's like thinking what's going to have the biggest impact and i think getting um getting a sort of custom font made that you use on your website probably isn't isn't going to have that much impact no no not really i'm a little bit obsessed with with fonts particularly comic sans i do like comic sans i mean i know people people hate it i don't intend to have it as a business um you know font that i would necessarily use but i do like what you're saying about you know if we're thinking about starting off and starting small and not having to spend loads to begin with i quite like what you Mm. said there about you know choosing a font that's maybe reflective of the style of work that you do um yeah i was i was gonna i was gonna say can you pick your your favorite based on that but i suppose it does depend on what they're what they're doing is, is there any do you have a favorite font i don't know how we got on talking about fonts but let's go with it <laughs> do you have a favorite font and if so what is your favorite font so uh, funny that you should mention comic sans that isn't my favorite font really i'd probably be like <laughs> i'd be like absolutely i'd probably be like i don't know excommunicated from the design community but um there's this, an illustrator designer that I absolutely love in America called Meg Lewis and she has created a it's kind of like a comic sans um spoof not spoof I don't know how you'd put it an homage to comic sans Mm -hmm. called comic sans s-a-n-d-s like you can't even tell the difference when I say it but it is (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's got an extra letter in and I absolutely love that it's like a really um curvy friendly bubble font and i actually used that in a project recently for adobe um, i designed some enamel pins for them and i and i used it and i just think it's like really fun and playful um, and it's not comic sans but it has like the qualities of it so that is my current probably my current favorite font i okay. go through phases see um, we needed to get to this I'm conversation <laughs> you what sorry we needed to get to this conversation yes. i think now we've discovered that actually it's not Comic Sans, but Comic Sans is your favourite font. Okay, um, brilliant. So I feel like I understand uh, how we, as a small business, can sort of get rid of some of that initial thinking and initial worry of needing everything to be ready. I really love that assumption that you've challenged. Thank you, Liz. Um, I can't wait for you to be in Leicester in September. It's not going to be that far away. Um Ooh. Before then, where can people find you if they want to have a chat with you? I don't know, maybe they want to talk to you about fonts. <laughs> you know, yeah, where can they find you? Um, yeah, well, my website is lizmosley.net. Um, and I mean, the best place is social media, to be honest. So on Instagram, I'm at Liz M. Mosley. Definitely send me a DM. Happy to chat about fonts. Would love to hear if you're coming to the conference. I won't be 
fonts isn't really what I'm going to be covering. <laughs> but I'm really, really excited about the topic that I'm going to be chatting about um, and the assumption I'm going to be challenging at the conference. So yeah, come chat to me beforehand. And yeah, it'd be nice to sort of get to know some people because this will be my first time going. Um, so yeah, nice to get to know people before the event. Brilliant. Um, feel free, if you want to give us a little teaser, you can do, you don't have to. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, the teaser, we're basically going to be having a think about rejection and failure, um, which is something that I feel very passionate about. And we're going to be, or something I've been exploring a lot recently, I should say, and we're going to sort of have a think about how that impacts our, our brands and our businesses. Is that another teaser? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's perfect. I mean, I don't, no, don't you don't you give in like the full thirty minute session? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I uh, I get that fear of of rejection whenever I, I I expect someone to buy a ticket and they don't. So oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> if Such you want to, oh, it is, um, folks. If you want to hear and see more about what the wonderful is mostly is going to be talking about at Marketed Live. Please come along on the 7th of September in Leicester. It's in the centre of the country, so it's really easy to get to. We can't wait to see you, Liz. Thank you so much for coming along to this Marketed Not Live sort of mini teaser conversation. Thank you for challenging an assumption, and I'll see you in September. Yeah, see you in September. Thanks for having me. No, I really loved what Liz was saying there about, you know, just not really needing all the stuff that people say that you might need. And for those of you that are starting a business or thinking of setting off on your own, I think it's great to hear somebody say that you don't need all the stuff that people might think that that you do and where you do, you know, keep it simple and it doesn't have to be the end result. Society has changed so much over the last few years people's businesses change over the last few years you can i don't know adapt which is great right we don't always have to stand stand still look that's your lot for this episode um i can't wait to hear much more about what liz has to say about everything really (laughs) Uh, on the 7th of september this year remember she's going to be a speaker at marketed live um As far as this podcast goes, I'd love for you to think about what these people are saying. We have some wonderfully intelligent people in our Marketed Life world, and I hope that that can include you. Marketed Life in Leicester promises to be quite probably the best lineup we've had in terms of topics that are going to have a hugely positive impact on the way that you do things. So I'd really like to see you there Thursday, 7th of September, 2023. We're keeping ticket prices as low as possible because, you know, we get it. These are difficult times. People are making difficult decisions. And just so you know, thanks to people's generosity, we do have a pay it forward fund. So if you are struggling, but would like to come, there are ways in which we can make it happen. Please just reach out confidentially to hey at marketed.live or via our Instagram DMs. All information about the speaker lineup, travel and accommodation options, including discounts there too, are on the website marketed.live. Okay. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.